0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. And today, I'm joined by Andy Bell. Andy is the VP of Global Data Products Management at Precisely. And we're here to talk about data enrichment for analytics and its use in the real world. Andy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Matt. Good to be here.
0: Andy, for those who don't already know who you are and what you do, could you just talk a little bit around your work at Precisely and where you guys are in the market right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, Precisely is a company that's focused around providing our customers data integrity, uh, trust in their data. So we're very much a company around helping uh, uh, our customers organize their data, manage their data, uh, make sure they've got good quality data. So uh, we have a series of um, software capabilities uh, to support that. Um, And we specialize in location, both um, location software, so understanding the things uh, on the earth, but also uh, data around that uh, those locations. And that's the area that I look after. And um, we provide um, a set of global data products to a whole range of customers from insurance, financial services, retailers, technology, um and uh, telco companies and uh you know I, i've uh, i've been here for about 11 years uh managing these products and um it, it's real fun and and the, the variety of use cases we work on um is it makes it a really really challenging and interesting uh job to be in
0: yeah certainly sounds we way and i think you know just to dive straight into the data enrichment um angle you know a lot of people may know about data enrichment but perhaps not how to do it easily and effectively. Um, how, how can you really join that data and unlock that value in a, in a seamless way?
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of people, they think about data enrichment and then they immediately think, oh, this is going to involve a lot of complicated matching. And, and in a way, uh, you can see why they think that. You think around an address and then add a business to that. That's a lot of complex information that uh, people are trying to match and it can be quite expensive and and then you know with the area that we uh, specialize, in, uh, specialize in around location that can just make that um, feel more complicated again and you know a lot of that processing can be time consuming and costly and you have to do it again and again and uh, and what we what we look at precisely and we see another a number of organisations within um, our market are uh, looking to improve the ease of use, the ease of doing that data enrichment. And one of the ways um, that we're doing it and uh, our customers are finding really effective is the use of IDs. So if you think around applying a, a unique and persistent ID to a data record, um, That can help you link data together, connect it together uh, from disparate sources and remove all of that hard work. So you kind of think around, I just do, you know, I do one match to a single address and then I can start to work off uh, an ID system. Uh, and allow the you know suppliers of data to do that pre-processing for you, and you just get on to do your enrichment and your analytics. And and given a couple of examples, you know D have had the Dun's number in the market for many years, and you get um, things like the National Mapping Agency, such as Ordnance Survey, who uh, use the uh, UPRN, and that is all around ease of use and being able to connect data and enrich data much more effectively and quickly rather than having to match to complex uh, strings and addresses. Um, So, uh, you know, it just makes that a whole lot easier uh, to do.
0: Yeah, and how how does enrichment really impact those analytics? Um, And what benefits do you start to see in that actionable data when it does?
1: Yeah, I I think when you start to look at that enrichment, um, first of all, what it can do is um, fill in the gaps that you are Missing, so provide you a more complete data set uh, to analyze your customers, and that might be a, a consumer or a business. Uh, and that can be as simple as I haven't got a postcode on my address. Well, you can enrich that address, put on the postcode, uh, and that allows you to uh, connect to uh, different data sets. You can also bring consistency to your data, so bringing in, you know, classification codes, uh, you know might be what types of people or it might be a standard industry code on a business and, and when you start to bring in this sort of external market information uh, third party data it then can start to give you market insights so it adds that external information so you can think about it is i've got some customers well how many people live in the area that those customers are you know how much retail spend is anticipated in that area and you start to get context within that analytics and that context allows you to do things like benchmarking. So you can start thinking around market share or um, market penetration uh, and, and understand um, you know the distribution of your customers. Um, but it's not just the analytics, it can also help you do a lot of descriptive work as well and and, and convey a a greater value for your internal data to um your internal data users
0: yeah yeah i I see what you mean and obviously you know just just touching on um customers there and how and how data kind of helps helps that part of a business along How, how can that enrichment of data expand the scope of customer profiles um and what industries is that you know specifically helping more than others
1: yeah I, I think when you think around um customer profiles and you can think of a customer either as a consumer or a uh, a business so when you look at a a consumer you can start to understand what types of customers uh do you attract are uh, um and what types of neighborhoods do they live in and you can see uh through that analysis is do you uh over or under penetrate within those markets. So you might go, hey, I analyze my uh, customers with, say, a, a dear demographic-like site, um, and you can see how your uh, customers are distributed across different categories. And you go, right, I've got 10% of these types of customers. Is that above or below the average? You can say, right, I've got proportionally more of those. So um and they're very profitable customers for me because i can see how much they spend um where do i find uh, more of them so simple things like that and then you can look at a business um you know and look at uh, you know not, not just the types of businesses but how many people do they employ their financials uh how are they owned uh you know do they have branch locations all of those types of things um And what we see in terms of, uh, you know, industries, um, every industry is using this type of data. We focus on insurance, financial services, telco, retail, um, those types of customers, they're they're very um, data hungry, and they've got a lot of internal data as well. Um, And what we see is, um, you know, a lot of those customers are using the same data, but for very, very different um, use cases. You know, you might look at a, uh, an, an insurance company um, that is insuring a property, they might be looking at enriching it with um, uh, natural hazards, say wildfire or flood, um, and trying to understand the exposure. Where you've got maybe a telco company looking at exactly the same data, and they're looking at well, where's the best place for me, for us to site our physical assets, our masts and things like that? What is a safe location? So both, both types of um, companies are using the same data, but for different types of, uh, of use cases. And we see that again and again um, across uh, you know, multiple verticals.
0: Have you got any specific uh, use cases that you can uh, share with our audience today?
1: I certainly can. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of our um, an area and I haven't touched on this one is around uh, prop tech property companies, uh, primarily residential. And we work with um, a global um, prop tech business called uh, Keller Williams um, and they use um, our data, um, our property data, our location boundaries and demographics to provide context and search capabilities on their website so you know they're promoting uh, residential properties for sale and for rent people want to be able to find those so they might be searching on a on a location they might um want to be able to find information around you know um uh, you know how large the ha- the, the property is uh, what's its value, and then what types of people, you know, they might want to go, I, I want to live in an area that has also got, you know, retired people in it. Uh, and what was interesting with Keller Williams is their director of data analytics, Analytics, uh, you know, really good quote, they said, it was clear from the onset that relying upon in-house generated proprietary data would severely limit what we could um, deliver. Uh, and that's why they looked at third-party enrichment and and we see that again and again across the um, prop tech businesses Um, give a couple of other examples Um, we work with uh, a number of retailers global restaurant and coffee chain businesses um, that are looking to understand the locations that they have um, their branches and their stores and their restaurants in And we help them with data to enrich information about those locations. So again, could be around demographics, could be around traffic, how how busy is a location? Is it uh, accessible? So is it a one-way street, those types of things? Um, What type of competition um, is in the local area? And and what type of footfall? And so they bring that information together to one, Uh, you know measure what sort of performance you would expect at a location and then to make decisions around you know what are the new sites uh, where the best new sites are for a location or where are we underperforming and actually the conditions are such that we're never going to perform well so let's close that location um, down so lots of good places there and then just a, a third one to add to that is around how we work with property and casualty insurance companies Um, and many of those um, uh, organizations are looking to um, assess risk uh, price policies better understand um, their exposure and they use a series of data it could be around our address and property information so they want to understand the attributes of the building and the property that they're uh, going to Insure. They want to understand, is it exposed to any natural hazards? Um, what types of other businesses are co-located? And um, also, you know, once they've looked at all of that is, well, how much risk are we insuring in that location? And does it make sense for us to insure more? Are we overexposing our um risk uh by taking on too much in a in a particular location and um you know we do that for pretty much the top 25 pnc insurers um and you know they're looking for us to be able to provide that enrichment data um to um uh, work on those those types of use cases
0: yeah super interesting to, to kind of hear you talk about it, andy because you're the, the way you kind of talk about the benefits and the way you talk about unlocking that real value, it's so grounded in the real world and in its, you know, realistic applications. Um, so j- just to kind of go off that, my, my final question for you today is, you know, how do you kind of expect to see the world of data enrichment really develop over the next few years? And how is it only going to um, improve the way that it um interacts with customers and, and helps them along helps unlock that business value and ultimately um, shows off its power in the real world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think what we're going to see, uh, you know, in a way a continuing trend of what we're seeing now, which is greater volume of data, greater velocity of data, and that means how regularly uh, that data re- refresh. And I think organisations are having to think around processes and systems to be able to manage that wealth of data. And I think what we will see is um, a greater use of the IDs processes that I was talking about. So here, uh, precisely, we have uh, unique and persistent IDs across all of our data. We connect it all together. We um, um, kind of lock that down on an address with our precise the id but we connect those things together and then we're looking at um the wider sort of um market around so where else do we connect to so you see someone like overture maps who are looking to make more data available um through open licenses they've got a unique unique persistent id called gers you know we're going to be connecting into that and make sure that hey if you're using this data you can find more about, you know, those businesses, those places, those locations by connecting together on IDs and bringing that that information in together. So I think we're going to see a lot of organizations with different types of data looking to um, bring those things together. Um, I think other areas is it, it, uh, around this as well is around deployment. We can see, you know, the use of Snowflake and Databricks environments that allow for large-scale speedy processing i think you know that is just going to grow and then you know you get into the areas of, of of a and um you know generative ai is companies are going to be looking for really good quality um well-connected data to be able to put into their proprietary um ai systems and what i mean by proprietary is is you Know, um, I think a lot of companies look at uh, at, you know, what's happened over the last six months with um, um, uh, with how open these systems are, they'll be looking at using it within, say, a much more closed system so they've got control over the both the quality of the data, the source information, and being comfortable around the outcome. So, I think you're going to see a lot more of, of that type of application as well. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of exciting things going on, and I think. Um, with those types of applications, I think we're going to see more and more businesses being able to use and apply both their own internal data, but bringing in third-party data to provide greater context. So I think some, some very exciting times ahead, I think, for, uh, uh, for this market.
0: Yeah, exciting times indeed. Uh, Andy, very well said. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to the podcast today.
1: Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, it was my pleasure.
0: And also, thank you to everyone who listened to the podcast as well. We hope you took a lot away from today's episode, but for further information on what we talked about, please head on over to Precisely.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series, but until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms, follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn, and for more great daily content, please head on over to EM360Tech.com.